You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, last week we started a new sermon series. It's the first series of the summer, and the sermon series is called Now What? Everybody say, Now What? Have you ever been in a situation where you weren't sure what to do, which way to go? And you've asked the question, now what, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you get stuck and you're kind of like hit a roadblock and you're saying, man, how do I get through? Now what? Or maybe you came to a fork in the road where you had two great options and you're thinking, boy, which way do I go? And you've asked yourself the question, now what? Well, last week we had everyone stand uh, for different questions, and we're not going to do that again, but we wanted, I'm interested, what was your big takeaway from last week? Uh, what stuck with you? Because last week we identified the question, or the, the statement, then the question, I'm married, now what? And we looked at this, and it took a deep dive, and we wrestled with the idea that there are only three types of marriages. There are some marriages are thriving, others are surviving, and some are dying or maybe if we added a fourth some are dead right and then it's not a marriage anymore and we said man the choice is up to us husbands wives it's in our hands for those of us that are married those that are online you're saying okay how do you do that well the choice is up for us we have the opportunity to play the role of Jesus in our marriage, that is to outserve our spouse. Everybody say that. We're going to outserve our spouse. Outserve your spouse. I love that. And we had a week to put that into practice. And, and I hope that you've been working hard on that. And that's really great. We anchored on the Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Serve one another in love. And really, this idea of serving one another in love is bigger than just marriages. It's for all Christ followers to serve one another. You say, well, where are we going with this series? Well, we, next week we're going to talk about I'm a parent. Now what? And so next week is for, for uh, parenting, and it's on Father's Day. It's strategic that way. And I want to encourage you to be inviting your dads to church next week. It will bless your dad. I'll be speaking next week. It's going to be great. My dad will be here. You'll get to meet him. And uh, if you haven't met my mom and dad, they're flying in from Florida just for Father's Day. Actually, no. They were coming anyway. It just happened to be over Father's Day. But I'm glad they're here. And then we're going to wrap up the series with I'm in transition. Now what? And that will catch all the empty nesters or those that are retired saying, ah, I'm retired. Now what? Or uh, maybe uh, on the uh, sadder note, maybe you lost a spouse. Or I'm now what? Or you're divorced or you lost a job or you went through bankruptcy. Or maybe you broke up with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you're saying, now what? What do I do? Or maybe your kids just graduated from college and you're saying, now what? And you're in transition. Or maybe you're a student who has graduated and you're saying, what now, right? What now what? And we'll get to that. But for today, we're going to talk to those amongst us that are single. And today is all about singles, and we're really going to hone in on that. And when we were crafting this series, I started asking the staff, saying, hey, who could, you know, who's a healthy single that could, you know, speak to singleness? And uh, Pastor Rachel was in the room, and she's like, 
I could. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. And so uh, we asked Rachel uh, a while back to, to be prepared for today. And first service, she just did a great job. And this morning, uh, you're going to be blessed as she brings the word today, answering the statement question, I am still single. Now what? And without further ado, let's put our hands together for Pastor Rachel. Um, to clarify, he specifically asked me, said, hey, who do you know who's really embraced singleness that can preach on singleness? And I was like, I don't, I guess, like, do I, I think I fit that description. Uh, I fit it enough to be standing here right now. Um, and yeah, first service was fun. I had the perfect video picked out that talks about not talked about, but it highlights all of the ridiculous things that we say to single people in the church, um, but because of live streams and copyrights, we can't play that. So we're just going to pretend that we just finished a nice little video that was super fun and lighthearted, um, and that's where we're starting. Also, let me just preface with, I had all of this figured out, and then um, yesterday essentially rewrote my entire message. So this is, will either be like my best message or my worst message. Uh, hopefully we just end up somewhere in between there, but uh, if I'm a little more glued to my notes, it's because I wrote them yesterday uh, and haven't spent a lot of time with them, but that's where we're at, and I'm confident that uh, what I have to share is something God put on my heart, and it's for you guys. So that's what we're doing. So back to that. We just watched a funny video. We all laughed. Um, <laughs> And now we're starting with this. I reached out to a bunch of pastors who are single and just kind of asked, what has your experience been as a single person? What are the ridiculous things that you've heard in the church? And I gathered a short list of some of uh, the highlights. And I want to share them with you. The first one was, um, if you dress more like that, you'd get a husband in no time. Um, which was a weird thing to tell someone. Um, another one was that this person was in the interviewing process, uh, really was a, like a good candidate for this uh, pastor position, and then they were like, ah, oh, sorry, we're not looking to hire a single person. Even though every job everyone's ever gotten, that you were hired as a single person. You didn't hire you and your spouse, but uh, sometimes things can get kind of tricky that way. Another one was, this was to a pastor. This person said, ma'am, you would make a great pastor's wife. It was like, you don't ever say that to someone. Um, uh, this person was encouraged to hurry up and get married so they didn't miss their childbearing years. Another one was told to get married so they can officially be a pastor. Um, this other person was explaining that they're not looking to be in a relationship, and then they were questioned, saying, like, you don't want to get married? It must be because you need to deal with your hurt first, and then you'll want to get married. Um, and then the most common ones are, you're just not ready, or you need to wait on the Lord, or just trust God. We say all of these things to single people, and the big thing that I've gathered is that we treat singleness like it's a problem, that it's a problem to solve. Even just looking at the question, I'm still single, now what? We're implying that there's an issue with being still single, or single again, or just regular single, not even still single. And if I've learned one thing in my experience is that being single in the church is hard. Um, there are a lot of things that are hard, but this specifically can be really, really difficult. And it's because our mentality is that singleness is a problem and there needs to be a solution and that solution is marriage. 
Um, and I hear great things about marriage. I'm not saying marriage is a bad thing. I definitely want to be married some point in my life. Um, but viewing singleness as a problem it sets us up to fail at marriages, and it's just not super, super helpful. Um, but yeah, we're really weird about singleness in churches, which is ironic because every person who's ever existed was single at one point and likely might be single again later in their life um, because of divorce, just because, like, unless you and your spouse are planning on, like, going out the same day at the same time uh, at the end of your life, like, one of you will be single again. Like, singleness is very much a part of our experience. It is the most common relationship status, yet we're so weird about it. Um, in the church. In fact, I have a friend who wrote a book on singleness and opened the book with, I really hesitated to write this because I didn't want to be the guy who wrote a book on singleness. Um, but it's a great book, so if you want a good recommendation, talk to me after. Ugh, joking. Talk to me after. Anyways, we're weird about singleness in the church, and it's because both married and single people treat singleness like it's a problem to solve. We just kind of assume that everyone should get married. Um, but that is the goal. Marriage is the end-all, be-all. The most successful relationship status is married. Um, and that's not what Scripture says when it comes to relationships. Scripture says a lot of really good things about marriage. It is beautiful in, when marriage is used as, it's, as it is intended. Um, it is one of the most intimate ways that we can know a person and ultimately know God. It's incredibly powerful, very, very useful. But the reality is there is a place for singleness. Um, and specifically, Paul is talking to people. And he's like, it would just be so much better if you guys would be single. Um, you wouldn't have all these big, complicated messes. And this area, um, they were dealing with just such difficult, um, toxic views of sexuality and just um, poor sexual conduct. And Paul's just like, if you guys would just stop for a minute, be single, you'd actually be able to focus on what God is calling you to do. Your obsession with relationships is getting in the way of the mission of God. Um, all that to say, singleness isn't better than marriage. Marriage isn't better than singleness. Um, they are both intentionally designed by God and have meaning and purpose. Um, but we still kind of tend to approach single people like they should get married. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, but I don't think that the problem is that they're single and that they don't have someone to marry. The problem is that we don't know what to do with loneliness, with our desire to be known and loved, and how we understand value. Like when we feel like singleness is a problem, this is really what's going on, is that we're lonely and we're not sure what to do with it. We're not really sure if we're loved. No one really knows us. We don't know if we have value. These are the big pieces that make singleness scary. Um, and these apply to everyone. Just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you're not going to feel lonely or unloved or unknown. Um, which means if everyone's experiencing this, it's not just getting into a relationship. That's not the solution. This is an internal problem, and we tend to just throw an external solution on it. Just like if someone had a cold, it'd be like offering them a Band-Aid. Or if the inside of my car was messy, cleaning the outside of it. Internal solutions, or internal problems need internal solutions. Um, and we see this all throughout scripture with, there's a man who's paralyzed, has really great friends, they bring him to Jesus, and instead of Jesus being like, get up, take your mat, and walk, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, what in the world is this guy talking about? Clearly this man has a legitimate physical problem that he needs help with, 
and you're talking about something that seems so irrelevant. And then Jesus explains himself and says it's easier to say that your sins are forgiven than to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. Um, And there's another story about this woman at a well. And this is a big, complex story, but ultimately, this woman is at this well to get water. Um, And Jesus starts talking about offering her life and hope and restoration. She's like, I just needed a bucket of water. Um, I wasn't looking for all these big things. And in reality, that was exactly what she needed. There's another verse that says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And it's just this concept we, wow, words are tricky today. Second service, first service was fine. I've just been talking too much today, I guess. Anyways, we see this concept all throughout scripture that God is so much more concerned with our internal life than our situation. And not to say that he's not concerned with your situation, but he's so much more concerned with what's going on in our hearts and in our minds and in our thoughts and in our beliefs. Um, And our responsibility is to steward our thoughts and feelings and beliefs well, which sometimes can be really hard, but scripture tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And like I said, these uh, scripture verses that I'm using come from specific stories and specific situations, but that concept of us being responsible and stewarding our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs well is absolutely critical if we want to be people... um, who are living the life God designed for us. And living the life God designed for us is the best life you can live. So when we are dealing with those feelings of loneliness, when we're wondering if we're actually really loved, like to our depths and in our whole self, and if anyone actually really wants to know us, um, and if we have value, those questions we need to actually take and look at and not just say, okay, well, I'm not experiencing these things. It seems like marriage is the solution, so let me just go find a relationship. We have to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And that sounds kind of aggressive. Doing that is simply being humble enough to ask God to help you do that. It's not like, I'm going to grab these and white-knuckle it and make this work and uh, be this way. It's inviting God into that space. And I am not great at this. Uh, Pastor Ben said first service that he's been married for 25 years, so it would be weird if he preached on singleness. And I was thinking, I've been single for 25 years. Like, you would think at this point I would be an expert at this. And even between services, someone came up to me and was like, I've been single twice as long as you have. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, I don't know what else you say to that. But um, yeah. I would love to stand up here and say, I have mastered the art of singleness. I am a single expert. Um, But in reality, really looking at this season of my life and asking God what the purpose is in that is kind of a newer thing for me, and I'm thankful for it. But I just want to share a little bit about what I've learned. And what I've learned specifically is that pointing fingers at being single Uh, making that the reason I feel alone and unknown and unvalued and unloved is so much easier than seeking God. It's a lot easier to point and blame problems on something instead of realizing I need to take initiative um, and see what God is trying to do in this. 
And through this last season of life, we keep talking about how difficult 2020 was and how hard it was. And it seems like everywhere, uh, every sermon I listen to, like in podcasts and just in talking with pastors, like, oh, 2020 was so hard. Uh, All these terrible things happened. But it really was a difficult season. And just because we talk about it a lot doesn't mean it's less valid. And the most difficult part of that season was those feelings of loneliness came like surface, the feelings of being unloved and unknown are pretty like blaring at you when you're home alone at your apartment for six months, um, when you're not in community like you were, especially being someone I really, really value um, community. And then even with our job, we were all online and I wasn't regularly meeting with the kids. And when you get your value from what you do and you're not doing that thing, you're like, do I have value? Um, So this really was a difficult season for me. And if you, I'm sure all of you can relate or think back to the time that you were single. There's kind of this pendulum of like, I need to be in a relationship. I would like to be in a relationship or I'm completely opposed to it. And you kind of just like, depends on the day, but float through this pendulum of like, here's where I'm at when it comes to my desire for a relationship. Um, And dealing with these big feelings of loneliness and questioning if I'm loved and known and valued kind of pushed me into this, like, I need a relationship because I just need someone here physically telling me that I'm loved and known and cared for. And the reality is that person didn't show up in this season in my life. Um, Oh, I did it again. So my notes printed on uh, two sides, and I was like, went over to the next page, and I was like, I just jumped like six points, but I just need to flip the page over was that I had a brief panic moment for a service. I was like, I'm missing a third of my message. (laughs) But we're not. It's right here. Uh, Yeah, sometimes transitions don't go very smooth, and then you just acknowledge them and keep going, and that's where we're at right now. Anyways, in this season of really questioning, um, am I known? Am I loved? Am I cared for? How do I handle this, um, like, deep, painful loneliness I realized that my natural bend is to maintain control as much as possible. I'm sure that there's probably some people in this room that can relate to, like when things get scary, we like clench our fists and we white knuckle things and try and do it to the best of our ability and just make something happen. And some of the bigger questions that came up in this little season of mine, not little season, that feels like it belittled it. This was a big deal for me, um, was if I'm single, I must be doing something wrong or there must be something wrong with me. Either I don't look a certain way, or maybe I'm not the right type of personality. Maybe I haven't achieved enough. Uh, Maybe I just need to be more successful. And we ask this question, what can I change and what can I improve? Um, And it's this attempt to do the best we can to convince people that we are worth being loved, or at least eliminate all of, as many reasons as we can for someone not to love us. And I found myself in that season, and it was ugly. I can promise you that when we try to just manipulate situations and convince someone that we're worthy of love, it is never the way that God's designed it, Um, the way that we are loved, trying to make someone love us. And the reality is, like, I can't make someone marry me. Like, I can do my absolute best and be the most successful, the most beautiful, the most this and this and this. And the reality is, like that might not change my relationship status because that's not how we change our relationship status. And in this season, the verse uh, that talks about trusting God, um, 
trust in the Lord with your whole heart, lean not on your own understanding, was probably the most convicting that that's ever been because I feel like I built an entire foundation of my own understanding. Uh, I wasn't just like leaning on it. I was like, this is where I'm standing and this is what I'm going to do is I'm going to figure this out by myself. I don't need help. Um, And it wasn't that I didn't want help. It was just I was scared that I wasn't sure God would actually be that for me. So it's like, I might as well just figure it out on my own. But in this... Um, a dear friend of mine, uh, we were chatting, and I don't know if they even specifically asked this question, but this is the question that really was the turning point for me. And it was, what if God is capable of meeting my need to be loved and known to the depth in which I need to be met? Not just like, can God love and know me, but is the way that God loves and knows us actually enough for me? Can I actually depend on God alone to meet my need for love, to meet my my need for being known. Um, Is God enough when I'm lonely? Is God enough when I don't feel like I have a purpose? Is God actually capable of doing that? And a verse that really um, inspired some meaningful connection with God says, be still and know that I am God. And I was okay at being kind of still and understanding that he is God or not really doing the still part and just thinking like, yeah, God is God. He's in control. That's cool. I understand that. Wonderful. But it wasn't until I consciously chose to actually be really, really still. Like I spent a really long season of just my time with God was absolutely silent. There was no worship music playing. There was no scripture being memorized. There was no personal development being pursued. It was actually just sitting quietly like, I didn't have a prayer agenda. I, I went to God with nothing. Um, and I came out knowing that he is God. And there's not a way for me to explain what that's like. It is just something that you have to experience. And it takes patience, something I'm not very good at. Um, I hate waiting for things. I hate when things are a process. Um, but ultimately, processes are one of the best things for us. Um, but that verse really, really did changed my life, honestly. And not just the words on that, but take believing and hoping that that is who God is and being patient enough to hope that he's going to show up for me the way that I need him to. There's another verse in Galatians that says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? And there is a whole lot of context right in this thing, a lot of stuff is being said in this verse. Um, but the big thing is the whole way that Christianity was working um, was shifting when Jesus showed up. Um, they were moving from the law to relationship with God. And it really is so much more complex than that. And I wish we had uh, three hours to explain it, but we don't. Um, so you just talk to Pastor Bobby after. He likes talking about those things. Anyways, um, so these people had an encounter with God. And they're still going back to things like slavery because it was more comfortable, it was familiar, it was something they could control. But in reality, um, when Paul says this, he makes a very intentional correction where he says, now that you know God, or rather are known by God. And this has been exactly what I've experienced. Is in my pursuit of knowing God, I've realized that he has been knowing me the whole time. Um, he was completely present in my every 
In every single one of my situations, in my very, very broken, lonely moments, he was there initiating relationship with me. This was never on my terms, um, knowing God and being known by God. He has been doing this the entire time, actively pursuing me um, in a way that's actually transformative and meets my emotional needs to the depth that I need them to be met. So instead of this weird, like, if I pursue God, then he'll do this for me. It was just um, God showing up for me, even when I wasn't sure how to show up for God. And this is what Paul was talking about. He's like, how do you, confused is like, how are you guys not experiencing this God in a way that makes you not want to go back to slavery? And it was, I might have just been that they needed to be patient um, because there was a really, like a lot of difficult uh, very ingrained beliefs of how Christianity worked, and it didn't look like what Jesus was doing. So when I hear that verse and thinking about them turning back to their miserable forces, and we think, like, that's ridiculous. How could they do that? But my miserable force of choice is control, and I see myself doing that all the time, going back to this is what I know, this is what's familiar, this is how I get my needs met, this is what feels safe. But the reality was I needed to risk um, I think it was not being safe. It wasn't even control because control was a way to feel safe. I needed to risk, maybe this isn't going to be safe. What if the answer to this question was no? What if God isn't capable of meeting my emotional needs? I needed to risk that being the answer in order to find out what the answer to that question was. And I feel like I'm on the other side of this in a lot of ways. In some ways, it's still just process. But I am 100% sure that God actually alone is completely enough for me. And if he's enough for me, he is enough for you. And I think when I realized that I was coming to the other side of this big, huge thing that I was wrestling with was when I realized my answer to this question changed. And I'm sure we've all asked this question at some point in our life, but what if I never get married? Two years ago, if you would have asked me that, my answer would have been that I would be devastated. Like, I couldn't handle the thought of how alone I felt being the way I was going to feel the rest of my life, or how unloved I felt, or how unknown I felt, or unvalued I felt. The thought of that being what the rest of my life looked like was devastating. But in this process of really seeking to know God as enough for me, he's changed my answer to that question. So when I think what if I never get married? It's still kind of a bummer to think about because I love the idea of marriage. I cannot wait to demonstrate to a spouse how much Jesus loves them through the way he's loving me. And the thought of being intentional about raising kids, um, that's something that God's put in my heart. That's how I ended up in kids ministry. There's a lot of pieces that I'm excited about. So even thinking about if I don't get married, that would be a bummer. But the reality is I am okay today and I'm gonna be okay tomorrow. And if that's my philosophy the rest of my life, like, we can do this. I can, be never, I can never get married, and it'll be okay. But it wasn't until I really processed through that being still and really, really knowing God on a spiritual level, like the Spirit of God communicating with the Spirit and me, even outside of, like, what I understand, that's what shifted for me. And that's not to say that there's not moments where it's still really lonely and overwhelming and scary, um, and when singleness feels overwhelming, it's an opportunity to ask the question, is God enough for me? 
And this isn't just a question for single people to ask. This is a question every single person needs to be asking. Um, I think we need to really take a deep dive into that, and then you're probably going to be asking the rest of your life when you notice you're doing things that don't make sense when it comes to how we view relationships and how we interact with people. We need to be asking, is God enough for me? Um, we tend to use relationships to meet our need to be loved and known. And when I look at my experience, my plan for my life, if you would have asked a 16-year-old Rachel, she was going to be married by 20, at least, maybe sooner, uh, have six kids before then, actually not six, that's way too many. Um, but I was very certain that by the time I was 25, I would be married and a parent of at least a couple kids. That was my plan, and I was certain that that uh, was God's best for me. But through this season, I'm realizing that I am so, so thankful that that's not what God had for me because it's pushed me to know God in a way that I would have never known God if I had gotten into a relationship really quick. And it's because I, would, I absolutely would have used my relationship as a way to feel loved and a way to feel known. And that's because people are good at making you feel loved and known, but it's not their responsibility to meet your emotional needs. And that is 100% what I would have done if I were to have gotten into a relationship uh, as quickly as I would have wanted to. The best relationships involve people who know to their core that God really is enough for them. That is so important. And I'm sure you guys are thinking, okay, well, I will work on that. I will know God as enough for me, and then I, me and my introverted self will never have to be in relationship again. I won't have to deal with people and their problems because God is enough for me. So if I have God, I don't need them. And that is not what I'm saying. Um, and it's easy to say because that's not my bend. So if you're an introvert in this room or um, have really dealt with anxiety when it comes to dealing with people, like, I get it. This is hard. Um, I haven't experienced that, but I know, like, Figuring out how to be in relationship is tricky, and I just want to give you some reasons why it matters. The first is that we are made in God's image, and we see that theme all throughout Scripture, that we are made in the image of God. That means when people see me, they should see Jesus. Um, lost my spot. There it is. I wrote this down. When people meet Christians, my prayer is that they want to meet the Jesus in those Christians. And I'm sure we can all point back to a Facebook post in the last year or so that we saw from a Christian that you would think, I I'm not interested in knowing the Jesus that they're talking to. Because we have done a terrible job sometimes of demonstrating who God is by the way that we live. But that's one of the biggest reasons we're in relationships. is because we have something to offer. When Jesus transforms our life, we cannot help but share that with people. Like, there is no way that the God who's created the universe and is moving in us doesn't want us to share that. And we see that um, in what we call the Great Commission, is when Jesus is sending the disciples out to go be in relationship. And the purpose of that is so that those people can experience God for themselves through the disciples. Another reason is that others invite us to Jesus. So yes, we have something to offer. We get to invite people to experience God. But the reality is life is hard Life is messy. Things get painful. There is loss. Um, and sometimes we just need a friend to sit with. 
Um, and I'm sure the people in this room that are single and live alone, you, this probably really resonates that sometimes going home and being alone and knowing that you're going to be alone for who knows however many days, like, it's just nice to be in community sometimes. And especially when you're dealing with loss or pain or hurt or uncertainty, relationships are one of the primary ways that God can minister to us. There's a verse that says, mourn with those who mourn. We are instructed to be there for each other, um, which means that we need to go to each other as well, not just offer support, but be willing to be supported by each other. And I think the best example in my life, not maybe, maybe not the best, but the first example was I had a youth pastor who he and his wife very, very intentionally took me under their wing. Uh, and this was the first real relationship where I felt loved and known. And God was with me that entire time, but I didn't realize it. And I didn't know how to experience that, and I didn't know what that looked like. But through my relationship with this youth pastor and his wife, um, I was invited to experience Jesus. So when I graduated high school, um, they ended up moving out of the area, so that relationship changed. And it was devastating because there was something so special about that, and it took me a little bit to realize, but it was the Jesus in them that drew me to that relationship, not the people. Um, and that's available to all of us. We get to be that for people, and people get to be that for us. And then I think the last and probably most important reason why relationships matter is that God himself operates inside of relationship. Um, and we see, this, we see hints of this in Scripture, uh, like specifically, but when you think about the Trinity just as a concept, like there's three parts. Um, like God could have just been God and it just be one. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Another thing, if you want to talk Trinity theology, talk to Pastor Bobby later. Um, <laughs> it's going to have lots of fun conversations. But when Jesus gets baptized, God says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. When Jesus is dying on the cross, there's dialogue. There's dialogue between Jesus and God all throughout scripture. And even just the um, authors of scripture are constantly like defining the Trinity and what that looks like and the role of the Holy Spirit and the role of Jesus and the role of God and what all of that looks like. But if the literal God who created the universe operates in community, then there is no way we get a free pass from being in relationship. Um, and I think, yes, there's things that we benefit from in relationships, but that's the big one. Like, if God is doing community, we're doing community. And that doesn't just mean a, like, person to marry. Relationship as a whole is incredibly important. Um, I have incredible, deep, intimate, meaningful friendships um, that, I, I don't know how to say this perfectly right, but like meet a lot of the same needs as a marriage relationship meets because intimacy isn't just like something for a, a husband and a wife. Intimacy uh, is a theme in relationship um, and it's important. And you guys might be here thinking, this is not what I thought when I heard we were talking about singleness. All she's talked about is relationships this entire time. Uh, is she going to talk about singleness? But why we've focused on this is because my biggest concern when singleness is the topic at hand is that, yeah, the topic at hand in discussion is usually that, I'm just going to try this all over again. Read that wrong. Okay. My biggest concern when singleness is the topic at hand is that the conversation is usually about how do we get someone married instead of deal with, with false beliefs, theirs or ours, about how God meets us and the role of relationships. Singleness is not the problem. That was a lot to say. 
Um, sorry about that. Maybe should have made that shorter. But singleness isn't the problem. Believing that God is not enough for us and misunderstanding the role of relationships is. These were the two big things that I got from my probably darkest season of singleness is that I misunderstood and I doubted God was enough for me and I misunderstood the role of relationships. And this happens regardless of your relationship status. Married people do this too. Um, People on the other side of marriage do this as well as we doubt that God is enough for us and we use relationships to meet emotional needs that God is supposed to meet. So the solution is seeking God as enough for us uh, and inviting God to shift our view on relationship. And this is for everyone. I know Pastor Ben talked about, like, I'm talking to singles, but honestly, I'm really talking to all of us because singleness is something that we all relate to um, at some point in our life. Um, But I want to talk to the single people for just a minute. And I don't know where you guys are at. I understand that my view of singleness is um, narrow just because of my life experience. Like, I've never been married or in a serious relationship. And there's a lot of people in this room or watching online or that you know that have been in a relationship and it didn't work out. Or there's incredible pain there. Or um, lost a loved one. Or ended up getting a divorce. There's so many different reasons we end up single. And I might not know your story, but I know your pain. Um, And it really can be painful sometimes when you're sitting alone on a holiday and not sure what that looks like or who cares for you and who loves you. That's hard. Or even just something more simple as uh, you're leaving church and you're not sure if you have somewhere to get lunch. You don't know if there's anyone to get lunch with. Or walking into church wondering, who am I going to sit with? I don't have anyone to sit with, and I don't want to be alone. And even, like, the big celebrations in life, like, who do I invite to celebrate me? Um, Especially if there's a, like, difficult family dynamic, or maybe your family's far away. Being single can be really, really hard. And I'm not trying to undermine that by putting it as a point at the end. Like, I really get it. It can be really difficult. But there's two things to know, and the first is that God sees you. And it's not that he's like looking at you sitting in the back thinking like, oh, I'll get get over to them eventually. He is present with you constantly. And we see that all throughout scripture, God says, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Um, All over scripture, he is reminding his people that he is present and he is near. And it's because they keep doubting it. He wouldn't have to keep reminding them if if they weren't doubting that God was with them. And this is your reminder today that God sees you, he knows you, he loves you, he cares about you. He is capable of meeting your emotional needs to the depth that you need them to be met. And then the other thing that I have for the single people is that you don't need to try so hard. And I wish someone would have told me this sooner, is you don't have to just force your way into relationships or being the best you can in the hopes that someone is gonna come alongside of you and choose you You don't have to try so hard. You are completely loved and known already. So trying to um, gain being loved and known is a waste of time um, because you already have that. And it's just in those moments of when you feel yourself white-knuckling it and really trying, I just want to invite you guys um, to ask God to meet you in that space and be patient long enough for him to do that. 
Um, but this is for everyone. I have just three questions for you guys to really think about. Um, if we want to move towards health, we have to ask these questions. And the first one is, how do I feel about singleness? Do I see singleness as a problem that needs to be solved, um, either for me personally or when I look at the single people in my life, am I saying, that's a problem? Who can I set them up with? We better help them out because that must be really miserable. Or maybe we're scared of singleness. We think, I'm in a committed relationship and I'm so thankful I can't do life alone. And nobody wants to do life alone. Being upset at the thought of not being with your spouse makes sense. But the reality is, they are not your everything. They can't be. And then just the thought of, is marriage better? This isn't a helpful thought, especially coming from a single person, when you, when, not you, but looking through the things that were said earlier, um, all of those people were implying that marriage was better. And that's not what scripture says. So I just want to invite you guys to really take a look at how you feel about singleness, because it's going to say a lot about where you're at with God. And then the next question to ask is, where is my desire for a relationship coming from? Do I want a relationship so I can get my needs met? Or do I want a relationship because God is moving in me and I have something to offer? And it is okay to be in process. You don't need to have the perfect answers to these questions, but asking this question is going to help you shift to a healthier response. And then the last and most important question is, is God enough for me? Will I be okay if I'm always alone? My experience with really diving into um, being single and figuring out how to be okay and how to deal with the loneliness uh, and the doubting I'm loved and doubting I'm known, um, I asked these questions. And learning how to experience God as being enough for me didn't take away my desire for a relationship, but it changed my answers to these questions. And if you want to turn the lights down, I just want everyone to stand up and spread out. And like, if you just want to move to a different seat, you can. Um, but I want you guys to get alone for just a minute. Um, wherever that, there's enough space in this room for everyone to be by themselves. Um, so yes, I know that you really enjoy your spouse, but we're going to spend a couple minutes really looking at this. The solution here to the question, I'm still single, now what? Or even just, um, what do I do with this? Is we need to have a biblical answer to these questions. We need to, that sounds kind of aggressive, but we need to feel about singleness the way God intended us to, and that it's not a problem, and that it's not something to solve, but that there might be things in there that need attention, like how we're dealing with loneliness and how we're dealing with meeting our needs. I would love for our desire for relationships to be because we want something, we have something to offer people because we do. And I would love for everyone in this room to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God actually is enough. But all of these take time and it takes us being still and knowing that he is God. And that's not something that can happen in these three minutes that we're going to spend quietly, but it's a place to start.
And maybe you need to write these questions down and really work through them on your own in this next season. Or maybe you put this in your phone and this is something God brings you back to six months from now. But I promise this is something God wants to work through with you in. I don't think I said that right, but you know what I mean. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and I just want you guys to think through these questions and invite God to help you see where you're at. Maybe there's one that really needs attention. Uh, Maybe there's a lot that really need attention. Or maybe you have really do have a healthy perspective on relationships and God's uh, intent to meet your emotional needs. But I'm going to stop talking so God can start speaking to you guys. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity uh, to ask questions like this, to really take a moment to examine where we're at, where we, what we do with relationships, how you've designed them, and how we're using them. And Lord, I just thank you for this season in my life that was really dark and really hard and really scary because it produced the most valuable thing that I have, and that's knowing that you're enough for me. And Lord, for the people in this room that are just barely hanging on, who feel isolated, completely alone, unloved and uncared for, and completely unknown, would you just begin speaking to them right now? Help us to hear what you're trying to say in these moments, Lord. And help us to be people committed to your process. We want to be people who view relationships as a shadow of who you are. That they are not our source. You are our source. Would you just speak to us in these moments, Lord? that's what we want no matter what stage of life we're in no matter what our circumstances look like Lord we want you to be magnified in our hearts and our lives and Lord I pray now that as we leave that you'd go before us behind us and all around us we pray this in Jesus name and all God's people said amen and amen God bless you go in the grace of God thank you thank you for being here we love you Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.